Listen, I don't care what anybody says. Amanda Bynes was way ahead of her time. Uh, absolutely, 100%. 100%. 150%. Like, she was just a... An icon. An I- a legend. <laughs> a shining star that just burned too bright. Yeah. And you know what that guy said? Better to burn out than fade away. Am I right? That guy. I know who that guy was. <laughs> who said that? I don't know. <laughs> From Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. Oh, that guy. I'm pretty sure. Fuck, I should look that up now because I don't want anyone to yell at us. That might be it. You, you might be right. <laughs> Welcome to Paranormal, guys. Welcome back to Paranormal. <laughs> I'm Marie. And I'm Nicolina. And we're here to bring you all of the spooky, spooky stories. Yep. On this episode. Down, down, down. We actually, this is an exciting episode. We have an extra person that joined us for a couple of segments. Um, We're going to start trying to incorporate some of our patrons into our episodes from now on. So that's exciting. We did our first hangout with all of our patrons the other night. We did. We couldn't record it though because... Google Hangouts doesn't let you record. Yeah. And we we don't like to pay for... Google Enterprise. No, no, definitely not. But yeah, we had our first hangout with a bunch of our patrons, and then we had like some surprises, like past guests came on yep. and, and visited everybody, and uh, we told a bunch of stories. We answered a bunch of questions. It was so much fun. So if you want to come to the next one, you can go to par- our patreon.com slash paranormal pod and sign up to become a patron, and uh, you can join our next hangout. Hell yeah. Yeah and uh which we do once monthly once a month yeah 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 and it's about we did an hour i think over an hour yeah it was just over an hour yeah my ass hurt after that because we're sitting on the floor floor. um so i guess we could just jump right into our horoscopes yes we can do you want to go first or do you want me to read yours first i don't know who's supposed to go first this week i don't i don't remember okay it doesn't matter to me i'll read yours or no you read mine i'll read yours first yeah okay When it comes to romantic relationships, Gemini, you might find that you're playing more of a game of hide-and-go-seek than a combined effort towards friendship, trust, and honesty. It could be that you're purposely trying to hide in order to test the stamina of your opponent. (laughs) You might want to take a new approach now, one that involves an effort toward connecting instead of distancing. Eh, Wrong. No. Uh, (laughs) Doesn't Eh. Can't relate. Sorry. Wow. Okay. Tell me why. I mean, me and Steven hang out like he just had two days off. He t- takes Sundays and Mondays off. So yeah, we hung out all of Sunday, all of Monday. We spent all of our time together and <laughs> so you weren't uh, trying to hide. wasn't distancing, wasn't hiding. And then we made a we made a pact with each other okay. that on Sundays from now on, mm-hmm. we're going to turn our phones on do not disturb and we're just straight up not going to talk to anybody on Sundays That's and just lovely. hang out with each other. That's yeah. so nice. I know. I'm excited. I'm actually super excited to just hang out with him next Sunday and not like I'm going to have like an automated message that sends to people when they text me just being like, hey, me and Steven are off our phones for 24 hours. Yeah. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> like, I love it. If it's an emergency, call me. <laughs> I'm not sure I could do it. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I know. It's going to be rough. I don't but... know if I could do that. But yeah. Um, so, so no so distancing, yeah. nothing no. related to that. Not at all. Okay. All right. That's cool. Let's get yours. All right. So you may be confused when it comes to matters of the heart, Leo. Perhaps you feel cheated when the object of your desire doesn't give you complete attention at all times. 
the fundamental fundamental security of your being is your responsibility, not someone else's. Find a way to incorporate your dreams into the dreams of others instead of always working toward uh, goals at opposite sides of the spectrum. I'm not sure what that means. The last Uh, part. Yeah. Find a way to incorporate your dreams into the dreams of others. Uh, I don't know. Um, I guess like your partner's dreams, find a way to incorporate your dreams with your partner's dreams. I don't know. I feel like, so yes, like, I mean, in general, I think that I do require undivided attention from my partner. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm from me, from you, from my partner, Marie. (laughs) Um, but I wouldn't say that I've been like of late been requiring any unnecessary attention. If not, if, if anything, like I've been so fucking busy lately yeah. that I've been like, you can't even care about who's giving you attention. No, like I literally have not even like, I'm like, thank God he has his own, like he's doing his own thing right now. Cause like, I wouldn't be able to focus. Like before yeah. you got here, we ate for 45 minutes together. And that was literally all the time yeah. that we've really spent together in a number of days. Jesus. I mean, we've seen each other and like, no, I, I know whatever, but it's not like we, the quality time. And like, I'm just like, I, don't even know when other time we have yeah so and i've literally just been like this is it like this is just the way it is <laughs> for, like, now, for, for now, now for now for now for a little yeah. for a little while like it just happens that way sometimes yeah so i disagree i'm not looking for undivided attention at the moment okay but in general yes give me your undivided attention yes of course yeah uh-huh. or else you'll get the wrath of the lion <laughs> so we're gonna add a new fun thing to our episode uh for our patron courtney who came to our hangout but she was late because she was working she's on call she's a nurse so she's a superhero Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. and so we decided we were going to do a fun thing where we were going to let her call in and we were going to read her horoscope on the show and we were going to discuss her horoscope with her so if you guys want to have your horoscope on, read on the show or be a guest on the show to have your horoscope read, mm-hmm. uh, go donate to our Patreon and uh, send us a message. We'll send you a message anyway. So you can always message us back and say you want to be part of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Cool. So, so yeah, Courtney, this is Courtney's uh, horoscope reading. Yeah. You're Taurus, yeah? I am. You are. Okay. So we're going to do your your today's horoscope for okay. October 6th. All right. Um, Make your loved one a romantic dinner tonight, Taurus. Escort him or her on an imaginary magic carpet ride to fantastic places that encourage a playful mood and carefree attitude. Consider having a bottle of wine at a playground afterward, if possible. Can't, because COVID does not allow you to play on playgrounds anymore. Decorate your house with candles and burn some incense. Create a mood that will calm the nerves and soothe the soul. Your sense of romance is right on target. <laughs> Jesus. Killing it over here. <laughs> does any of this so does any true? of this resonate for you today? So, I mean, I work five hours away from my fiance. Okay. Um, however, I am sitting beside a lit candle and oh. a black one. Oh, um, that's actually, convenient. Actually, this weekend, I'm going to get to go home. We're getting married November 7th. So oh I'm God. actually 
going home this weekend and I'm, I haven't seen her in, in over a month because of work, um, because I have to quarantine, um, after certain days. So I get four days this weekend and I was actually planning a romantic like dinner night. Oh my God. That's really funny. But it was actually, there's this company that like does pop up picnics with charcuterie boards what oh my god that's random yeah and it's like because we live at the beach and they'll like you can pay them and go to the beach and they have everything already set up for you and they clean it up and everything oh my gosh so I actually had that planned for for this what that is so that is weird that is very on point that is right yeah wow I know. Damn you, Taurus. You Somebody's been romantic. following me. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's wild. Okay, well, that resonated more than I'd ever imagined it yeah. to. Um, <laughs> also, I just thought of a new business idea. These pop-up charcuterie <laughs> businesses. Pop-up yeah. That's and the cutest thing. Like, yeah, they'll do as much for as little as you want them to. So you won't be, you won't be going to a playground, though, right? It will not be a beach. Much better. Something about like, did it say something about a magic carpet ride, or was that the one? It, it said imaginary ma- magic carpet ride to fantastic places. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I I mean, we'll just leave that blanket is very similar to a magic. Carpet. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Maybe Aladdin will show up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take Jasmine, but (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny. All right. Well, that one was a successful horoscope reading, I guess. Thank you, Courtney, for letting us read your horoscope. The horoscope on the show. (laughs) Did you pause? I thought you paused recording. No, I didn't. Sorry. And thank you for being a superhero and we love you. And we'll hear from Courtney later on in our Fuck, Mary Kill segment as well. Yeah, we're going to play Fuck, Mary Kill with her too. So that's fun. Boom. Anyway. All right. You want to tell them what the theme is? and I do. So you guys didn't want to hear paranormal pods for a lot. Paranormal frauds. Sorry. (laughs) Paranormal pods. You always want to hear paranormal pods. You always want to hear paranormal pods. No. So you chose Urban Legends over paranormal frauds. Yes. But... Paranormal Frauds is fucking fun. Yeah. And so we're doing them this episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Marie is going to do, um, who are you doing again? Oh, the fairies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know the names of the girls, but. That's okay. That's I'll, you'll I'll tell, tell you. You'll tell them. <laughs> and you, yeah. No, I was going to say, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I don't remember who should go first. I don't care. Rock, paper, scissors. Whoever wins goes first. One round. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. We should just do this every time. Okay. I'm down. Okay. (laughs) Oh. Okay. Start that over. Ready? Again. Again. Ready? Okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, I lost. You get to go first. (laughs) Wait. No. That's is that how we killed? Organized. She kills the scissors with rock. Yeah. I killed the scissors with rock. I didn't realize (laughs) that I was winning to go first. Yeah, that's what I said. Whoever wins goes first. Okay, that's fair. Um. Fuck. Whatever. I feel like I feel like there's gonna be a lot of edits on this episode. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got 24 hours for it. Oh, um, fuck. Okay, so guys, I am doing um the Fox Sisters, which um 
I, I don't know for sure, but I think it was loosely based on one of the conjurings where they lived in this home and the sisters um, were hearing like uh, fucking noises and stuff. And then they had the Warrens come in. Okay. And like figure out if they were, it was a hoax or not. I think it was loosely based around that. Okay. But this is like in the 1800s. So okay. that was not during that time. It, I correct me if I'm wrong. It could have been some, somewhere else, but, um, so you think that they probably meshed a few stories together and this was part of it. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I took my, uh, my sources were, um, the Fox visitors and the rap on spiritualism, which is from Smithsonian Meg and it's by Karen Abbott and then the story in the joints of their toes by Edward White from the Paris Review. Okay. Where are my two sources? Evening of March 31st, John and Margaret were at their wits end. The girls were sent to bed early at six o'clock to catch up on lost sleep and allow their parents an evening of quiet to still their nerves. No sooner had Maggie and Kate slid beneath the sheets than the noises started reverberating through the cottage. From floor, floorboards, ceilings, and door frames came louder and more frenetic knocking than ever before. It seemed that whatever in the cottage the girls went, these mysterious sounds followed, as though they were being pursued by some invisible force. Margaret was convinced that something demonic was afoot and sent her husband to rouse the neighbors for help. The neighbor, skeptical, came to see for herself, joining the girls in the small chamber they shared with their parents. While Maggie and Kate huddled together on their bed, their mother Margaret began the demonstration. Now count five, she ordered, and the room shook with the sound of five heavy thuds. Count fifteen, she commanded, and the mysterious presence obeyed. Next, she asked it to tell the neighbor's age. Thirty-three distinct raps followed. If you are an injured spirit, she continued, manifest it by three raps, and it did. Margaret Fox did not seem to consider the date. March 31st, April Fool's Eve, and the possibility that her daughters were frightened not by an unseen presence, but by the unexpected success of their prank. The Fox family deserted the house and sent Maggie and Kate to live with their oldest sister, Leah Fox Fish, in Rochester. The story may have died there were it not for the fact that Rochester was a hotbed for reform and religious activity and gave birth to both Mormonism and Millerism, the precursor to Seventh-day Adventism. Community leaders Isaac and Amy Post were intrigued by the Fox sisters' story and by the subsequent rumor that the spirit likely belonged to a peddler who had been murdered in the farmhouse five years beforehand. A group of Rochester residents examined the cellar of the Fox's home, uncovering strands of hair and what appeared to be bone fragments. The posts invited the girls to a gathering at their home, anxious to see if they could communicate with spirits in another locale. Hmm. Isaac Post said he was swayed by very distinct thumps under the floor and several apparent answers. He was further convinced when Leah Fox also proved to be a medium communicating with the Post's recently deceased daughter. The Post rented the largest hall in Rochester, and 400 people came to hear the mysterious noises. Afterward, Amy Post accompanied the sisters to a private chamber, where they disrobed and were examined by a committee of skeptics who found no evidence of a hoax. Could you imagine? Yeah. That's kind of invasive. <laughs> um... Are you a liar? Get naked. Get naked. Well, like, what? Okay. 
19th century American seer Andrew Jackson Davis, who would become known as the John the Baptist of modern spiritualism, claimed that spirits spirits commune with one another while one is in the body and the other is in the higher spheres. All the world will hail with delight the ushering in of that era when the interiors of men will be opened and the spiritual communication will be established. Davis believed his prediction materialized a year later on the very day the Fox sisters first channeled spirits in their bedroom. Upon hearing of the Rochester incident, Davis invited the Fox sisters to his home in New York City to witness their medium capabilities for himself. Hmm. Joining his cause with the sisters' ghostly manifestation elevated his stature from obscure prophet to recognized leader of a mass movement. Oh, boy. Unlike their Christian contemporaries, Americans who adopted spiritualism believed they had a hand in their own salvation, and direct communication with those who had passed offered insight into the ultimate fate of their own souls. Maggie, Kate, and Leah Fox embarked on a professional tour to spread word of the spirits, booking a suite, fittingly, at Barnum's Hotel on the corner of Broadway and Maiden Lane, They conducted their sessions in the hotel's parlor, inviting as many as 30 attendees to gather around a large large table at the hours 10 a.m., 5 p.m., and 8 p.m., taking an occasional private meeting in between. Admission was $1, and visitors included uh, preeminent members of New York society. So, basically, they just, like, churn people fuck man in and out all day long just doing seances i believe was mostly their yeah what they were doing during these events um so beyond that so once they kind of established themselves through these um this tour leah stayed in new york and entertaining callers in a seance room while kate and maggie took the show to other cities among them cleveland cincinnati columbus st louis washington dc and philadelphia where one visitor explorer alicia kent kane succumbed to maggie's charms even as he deemed her a fraud although he couldn't prove how the sounds were made um he said that after a whole month's trial i could make nothing of them Therefore, they are a great mystery to him. Hmm. He courted Maggie, 13 years his junior, and encouraged her to give up her life of dreary sameness and suspected deceit. She agreed and retired to attend school at Kane's request and married him shortly before his untimely death in 1857. To honor his memory, she converted to Catholicism, as Kane, a Presbyterian, had always encouraged. In mourning, she began drinking heavily, and vowed to keep her promise to Cain to wholly and forever abandon spiritualism. Kate, meanwhile, married a devout spiritualist and continued to develop her medium powers, translating spirit messages in astonishing and unprecedented ways, communicating two messages simultaneously, writing one while speaking the other, transcribing messages in reverse script, utilizing black cards upon which words seem to spontaneously appear. Whoa. Yeah. During sessions with a wealthy banker, Charles Livermore, she summoned both the man's deceased wife and the ghost of Benjamin Franklin, who who announced his identity by writing his name on her card. Anytime anyone brings up Ben Franklin, I just think of that Office episode where they have the Ben Franklin, uh, like the guy who dresses up as Ben Franklin comes to the office. (laughs) Sorry, go on. No worries. Um, So... 
her business boomed during and after the Civil War as increasing numbers of the bereaved found solace in spiritualism. Prominent spiritualist Emma Hardage wrote that the war added two million new believers to the movement, and by the 1880s, there was an estimated eight million spiritualists in the United States and Europe. Hmm. These new practitioners, seduced by the flamboyance of the Gilded Age, expected miracles, like Kate summoning a full-fledged apparitions at every seance. It was wearying both to the movement and to Kate herself, and she too began to drink. On October 21st, 1888, the New York World published an interview with Maggie Fox in anticipation of her appearance that evening at the New York Academy of Music, where she would publicly denounce spiritualism. Hmm. She was paid $1,500 for the exclusive. Her main motivation, however, was rage at her sister Leah and other leading spiritualists who had publicly chastised Kate for her drinking and accused her of being unable to care for her two young children. Kate planned to be in the audience when Maggie gave her speech, lending her support. She said, My sister Katie and myself were very young children when this horrible deception began. Oh boy. Maggie said, At night when we went to bed, we used to tie an apple on a string and move the string up and down, causing the apple to bump on the floor. Or we would drop the apple on the floor, making a strange noise every time it would rebound. The sisters graduated from apple dropping to, manip- mip- to manipulating their knuckles, joints, and toes to making rapping sounds. A great many people, when they hear the rapping, imagine at once that the spirits are touching them, she explained. It is a very common delusion. Some very wealthy people came to see me some years ago when I lived in 42nd Street, and I did some rappings for them. I made the spirit rap on the chair, and one of the ladies cried out, I feel the spirit tapping me on the shoulder. Of course, that was pure imagination. She offered a demonstration as well. She removed her shoe and placing her right foot upon a wooden stool. The room fell silent and still and was rewarded with a number of short little raps. Like, I'm just trying to wrap my foot on your floor. I could never make it. I thought you were going to say, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. I'm just trying to (laughs) get my rap career off the ground. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I'm trying to tap my toe on your floor loud enough to make a noise and it is not... Or my knuckles, like when they're just like, and they wouldn't, their hands wouldn't move. Wouldn't move. That's the thing. So they would be able to crack them. I don't know. By flexing? I don't understand. They must have. I don't know. So strange. Okay. Um, There stood a black-robed, sharp-faced widow, the New York Herald reported, working her big toe and solemnly declaring (laughs) that it was in this way she created the excitement that has driven so many persons to suicide or insanity. One moment it was ludicrous, the next it was weird. Maggie insisted that her sister Leah knew that the wrappings were fake all along and greedily exploited her younger sisters. Before exiting the stage, she thanked God that she was able to expose spiritualism. Hmm. The mainstream press called the incident a death blow to the movement, and spiritualists quickly took sides. Other living spiritualists charged that may charge that Maggie's change of heart was due to the fact she had failed to make a living as a medium, so she sought to profit by becoming one of spiritualism's fiercest, fiercest critics. Whether, whatever her motive, Maggie recanted her confession only one year later, insisting that her spirit guides had besmirched her to do so. 
Her reversal prompted more disgust from devoted spiritualists, many of whom failed to recognize her at a subsequent debate at the Manhattan Liberal Club. There, under the pseudonym Mrs. Spencer, Maggie revealed several tricks of the profession, including the way mediums wrote messages on blank slates by using their teeth or feet. Okay, this is this was another thing I was wondering about. Yeah, I don't understand how they would be able to do that. How you write a message with your teeth without anyone See, seeing you? you? I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. Okay. She never reconciled with her sister Leah, who died in 1890. Uh, Katie died two years later while on a drinking spree. Maggie passed away eight months later in March 1893. That year, spiritualists formed the National Spiritualist Association, which today is known as the National Spiritualist Association of Churches. In 1904, school children playing in the sisters' childhood home in Hydesville, known locally as the Spook House, discovered the majority of a skeleton between the earth and crumbling cedar walls. A doctor was consulted who estimated that the bones were about 50 years old, giving credence to the sisters' tale of spiritual messages from a murdered peddler. But not everyone was convinced. The New York Times reported that the bones had created a stir amusingly disproportioned to any necessary significance of the discovery, and suggested that the sisters had merely been clever enough to exploit a local mystery. Even if the bones were that of the murdered peddler, the Times concluded there were still there was still remain that dreadful confession about the clicking joints, which reduces the whole case to a farce. Five years later, another doctor examined the skeleton and determined it was made up of only a few ribs with odds and ends of bones and among them a super abundance of some of a deficiency of, of others. Among them were also some chicken bones. He also reported a rumor that a man living near the spook house had planted the bones as a practical joke, but was much too ashamed to come clean. So, it, I mean, it's still, I, as much as it's a fraud, <laughs> like, I don't really know. She tried know. to recant it. She tried to recant it. So, I, I mean, don't know. I think that once she showed everyone how she did it, that she was pretty much cooked. Like, I mean, yeah. It. It's over. It's Move over. on, Maggie. Obviously, you did it a couple times at Obviously, the very least. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, when you're charging a dollar for all these people to see it every single time, like yeah. every four hours a day, yeah. even if you do have any, any abilities, I don't right. think anyone can do it that often. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, a dollar back then was like, what, $2,000 in today's money? <laughs> I think it was like 200 Well, there you go. No. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was maybe a Maybe 20 bucks. Who knows? Probably. Or, I, don't I don't know. know. And I think I'm inflation not going to look like it up. 50 times or something. I'm not going to look it up. I don't know. <laughs> Scary stories aren't just for fiction novels. The most terrifying stories are the ones that actually happen. Nightmares brought to life. I woke up to a man standing over his hand over my mouth and I bit his fingers hard to lure us deeper into the forest. Tapping on my window, thing was scratching her up the door and drag her into the woods. If you're fascinated by the morbid and sinister things this world is capable of, tune in to the Nightmare Society podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts. 
Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix. New episodes every Thursday. Sweet dreams. <laughs> okay, so the story I'm doing, I'm super excited about. It's the reason why I wanted to do Paranormal Frauds. Um, it, I remember hearing this story as a child and being so fascinated by these two little girls' abilities to uh, defraud tons of grown-ups uh, and and professionals. So I'm doing the story of the Cottingly Fairies, and I got my information from Wikipedia, hoaxes.org, uh, qz.com, and eyeofthepsychic.com. So the famous Cottingly Fairies were photographed by two girls named Elsie Wright, who was 15 years old, and Frances Griffiths, who was only 10. They photographed these like in the last few days of the First World War. The case got its international acclaim through Arthur Conan Doyle, and he is the author and creator of Sherlock Holmes. Cool. Yes. Uh, He was fascinated by the account, and he published an article in the Strand magazine in December of 1920. The world's attention then focused on the girls, and they had little option but to stick with their story. Uh, Their little prank had basically grown into a humongous mass media circus, and to this day, the suburban area of Cottingley continues to get visitors, and even though the girls have retracted their story, um, like more than 20 years ago they did this, the retraction isn't as famous as their hoax. Right. So people... Still think that they did this. Still think it's real. Yeah. All right. Um... And this might be because the story they did end up putting it in a film in 1997 called Photographing Fairies. Mm-hmm. Locals in the area say that they're asked asked all the time where the fairy glen is, even though the site is, um, so it's like a small river and it's off limits because uh, similar to like the waterfalls in our area, it's eroding. So okay. you're like, it's not safe. Right. But every day the locals say people contact them or ask them how they get to this place. So the story starts with Elsie borrowing her father's camera on a Saturday afternoon in July of 1917. She wanted to take her cousin Francis's photo to cheer her up. She had fallen into this little river here or stream and they had gotten in trouble because they had gotten their clothes wet and the girls were gone for like half an hour and um they came back they got in trouble for their clothes being wet and so um that's when her dad ends up developing the photos Mm -hmm. and he sees strange white shapes coming up in these photographs okay he thought they were birds then he thought they were like papers Mm -hmm. but elsie ends up telling him that they were fairies and in order to prove that the fairies really existed she took the photo showing francis with a bunch of fairies dancing in front of her so we'll put these photos up on our instagram obviously okay Okay. in august the roles were reversed and francis took a photograph of elsie with a gnome um oh and i forgot to also mention that the reason why she told her dad like they fell into this water was because they were like, oh, we were playing with fairies. And he was like, you're nuts. You're crazy. Of course. Then he develops these photos and there's these fairies in the photographs. Gotcha. Keep in mind, this is again, like 1920s or like late uh, 19-teens. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't like they had access to like 
photo manipulation software or sure. anything like that, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, in August, the rules are reversed. Francis ends up taking a photograph of Elsie with a gnome. Okay. The print was underexposed and it was unclear. The photos were again developed by Elsie's father, and he thought that the girls were just playing tricks. He told them he wasn't going to let them use his camera anymore. Um, and Elsie's parents ended up searching her bedroom and her waste paper basket for any scraps of pictures or cutouts. And they went down to the creek to search for evidence that the girls had faked these photographs, but they didn't find anything. And the girls stuck to their story. They are saying they had seen fairies. They photographed them. The event was spoken of between friends and family, but didn't get much traction other than that. Frances Griffiths sent a letter to her friend in South Africa. Now, she lived there most of her life in South Africa. So on November 9th, 1918, she sent this letter and she included a photograph of the fairies and she wrote, I'm sending two photos, both of me, one of me in a bathing costume in our backyard. Uncle Arthur took that, while the other is me with some fairies up in the beck. Elsie took that one. The letter continued, Rosebud is as fat as ever, and I have made her some new clothes. How are Teddy and Dolly? On the back of the photograph, it read, Elsie and I are very friendly with the Beck fairies. It is funny, I never used to see them in Africa. It must be too hot for them there. Okay. So the case went public first in the summer of 1919, so two years later, when Polly Wright, who was Elsie's mom, went to a meeting of the theosophical society in nearby bradford she was interested in the occult and she had some experiences of astral projection and she had memories of past lives theosophy was founded by helena blavatsky and it was the main engine that drove this interest across britain Mm -hmm. the lecture was on fairy life and so polly had mentioned in this lecture that her daughter and her niece had taken some photographs of fairies It was considered sensational evidence only because another dimensional entity had been able to be caught on camera. It's on par with photographic evidence of UFO site, like UFO photos, alien photos, whatever. But the latter have seldom, if ever, lived up to the stringent methods that would constitute scientific proof. Two girls decades earlier had apparently succeeded where most adults failed. Right. The two prints moved their way through theosophical circles and came to the notice of theosophists at a Harrogate conference in the autumn and eventually arrived with a leading theosophist named Edward Gardner in early 1920. So that's when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, as so sorry, he's also a Freemason, which is okay in here. Yeah. And he's a spiritualist. Oh. He had been commissioned by Strand Magazine to write an article on fairies for the Christmas 1920 issue. He was preparing for this in June, and that's when he heard about the fairy photos. So he contacted Gardner, mm-hmm. and he borrowed the copies of the photos. Still, contrary to what is often reported, Conan Doyle was on his guard. He showed the prints to Sir Oliver Lodge, who was a pioneer physical researcher, and they thought he thought they were fake, perhaps involving a troop of dancers masquerading as fairies. Okay. One fairy authority, so oh. that's a job I'd like to have, <laughs> told him that the hairstyles of this of the uh, fairies were too 
Parisian for his liking. So they look like they're from Paris. Okay. Like they're, this is not British fashion. Okay. So why are these fairies who are living in, in Britain, Britain looking, looking Parisian? Parisian? Well, let me tell you, they can fly. Yeah. They can Duh. fly across Europe. Doy. Maybe they were visiting for the summer. Sure. Who knows? For sure. They're fucking fairies. Um, no one wanted to examine the original photographs. Only the prints were analyzed, and the two prints in an enhanced version would end up appearing in the magazine. So Conan Doyle sent Gardner to Cottingley in July. He reported that the whole Wright family seemed honest and very respectable people. In August, he returned with cameras and 20 photographic plates, leaving them with Elsie and Francis, hoping to persuade them to take more photographs. Meanwhile, the Strand article was finished. It featured the two prints, and Conan Doyle sailed off to Australia for a lecture tour. Uh, the issue of the Strand sold out within days of publication, and it was because of the photographic evidence of fairies in it. It caused major controversy and reactions from all involved and those feeling they had to comment. Most people were skeptical, including Major Hall Edwards, who was a radium expert. He said, on the evidence, I have no hesitation in saying that these photographs could have been faked. So when he left the plates, Elsie and Francis took three more photographs of the fairies. The fifth picture in the entire series, which is called the Fairy Sunbath, was created with a simple frame and knicker elastic construction pushed into the long grass. With a pull of the elastic, the fairies would fall backwards from their slots in the frame, thus providing a sense of fading when the camera caught the motion so that it looked like they were dancing. Okay. Okay. Her father returned the plates to London wrapped in cotton wool. Arthur Wright was very confused. He understood that the photographs were fakes, um, even though him and his wife didn't find any incriminating evidence that showed that their daughter did it. Mm -hmm. Still, he couldn't understand that other grown men had been fooled by this. Also, his daughter was now the center of a nationwide, probably international sensation. Mm -hmm. So Conan Doyle had used pseudonyms so that the children were fairly safe from the public. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Arthur Wright uh, began to have a lower estimation of Conan Doyle. He found it hard to believe that such an intelligent man could be fooled by our Elsie and her at the bottom of the class, is in quotes. Riding on the controversy, a last expedition was made to Cottingley in August of 1921. The clairvoyant Jeffrey Hodson had been asked to verify any fairy sightings. The fairies refused to be photographed, though both by Hodson and Elsie, both of them said that they saw fairies that day. So this okay. psychic medium or whatever he was, sorry, um, a clairvoyant, uh, went there, tried to take photos, and he's telling everyone I saw them, but they wouldn't let me photograph them. Oh, okay. Cool. Right. A grown man. <laughs> awesome. Um, so Elsie and Francis ended up admitting that they had fooled him. So they're saying, like, he did not see these fairies. We have absolutely deceived him. And he still says, after they've come out and said this, mm -hmm. he still says, no, I saw them. Oh, okay. Okay, sure. Uh, so with the knowledge <laughs> that the photographs were a hoax, it's strange, obviously, to see how the controversy originated. The children's parents were largely skeptical, although Polly, the one's mom, seems to have used the photographs to promote her belief in fairies. 
Conan Doyle might have done the same thing. He may have also used them to boost his article and the sales of the magazine, of course. Um, But in general, there was a willingness to believe because back then, how could children fool all of these adults? Right, right. So the children themselves had stated they had seen fairies in the back. Even if they were lying, there's a multitude of people who believe in fairies and have seen them. Okay. The girls differed in the fact that they had been able to photograph them. The belief in fairies was there. It was widespread, and those who believed but had no evidence used the photographs to substantiate their own beliefs and to try to convince more skeptical people that fairies were real. We all know what sprinkling fairy dust means, and it seems that it was fervently thrown about. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of people who didn't believe in fairies, obviously. They pointed out that no third party had ever been present when the five photographs were taken. They also pointed out that Elsie painted and drew very well, and that she always seemed immersed in drawing fairies. Uh. She was very knowledgeable about photography, and she worked at a photographer's. Oh. She was 16. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. So. So did she draw or sh- paint on the film? So so we're going to get there. Okay. So, All right. So she was an able photographer. And some people asked whether the photographs had been tampered with. And we know that this is not the case. This is not what happened. She did not superimpose them on them at all. And we're going to get to what she did in a minute. Okay. The skeptics were not able to prove that the photographs were fake back then. As late as 1978, James Randi and a team from New Scientists studied the photographs, and they thought that they could see strings attached to some of the figures. Mm. But there weren't. Okay. So what she had used were hat pins to hold these fairies up. Okay. Okay. But the believers did not fare better. The point of a pin in the gnome's midriff was, according to Conan Doyle, a belly button from an umbilical cord. Uh, And so that was proof that birth in the fairy kingdom was similar to the process of human births. Okay. Yeah. The gnome photograph was taken... Taken by Francis, who was not the photographer, like who didn't work with a photographer, Elsie did. Mm-hmm. And you can see in the photograph that her hand is a bit along, elongated, which is due to the camera slant. But believers have attributed it to psychic elongation, which I'm not going to look it up. I'm assuming it just means when there's psychic things afoot, uh, yeah. the picture gets skewed. Yes. In 1981 and 1982... Joe Cooper interviewed Francis and Elsie for an article in The Unexplained, and this is when Elsie admitted that all five of the photographs had been fake. Okay. Francis had a copy of Princess Mary's gift book, which was, I believe, a children's book. Yep. Um, And the girls had used a bunch of illustrations by Arthur Shepperson as a model from which Elsie constructed the fairy figures. So... I don't know if they're going to get into it here, but in some of the articles that I had read, they showed photos of these drawings from the book. Her drawings are more detailed and better than the drawings from From the the book. book. Okay. She was an insane artist. Absolutely insane. Okay. Um, So. Okay. So Francis also admits that it was a hoax. She claimed that the first four photographs were fake, but that the fifth one was real. Francis, oh. baby girl. 
Come on. What? Right. Both, both ladies say that they had indeed seen real fairies near the back. So even though they faked the photographs, the fairies were definitely there. They definitely saw fairies. So to that, I'm just thinking that they wanted to believe in this so badly that eventually they had warped their own memories yeah. and believed that they had really seen these things. Yeah. The admission was not totally out of the blue. In 1971, Elsie was interviewed for BBC TV and was asked, are they trick photographs? Could you swear on a Bible about that? Elsie said, I would rather leave that open if you don't mind, but my father had nothing to do with it. I can promise you that. The attitude of Elsie and Francis to the whole question of the fairy photographs had been a typical Yorkshire one, to tell a tall story with a deadpan delivery and let those who will believe it do so. Elsie has often said as much, in quotes, I would rather we were thought of as solemn-faced comedians. But the carrot that they dangled was just so nice that many decided to eat it. In 1983, when Jeffrey Hodson was 96 and living in New Zealand, he heard the true confessions, and then he became the only surviving member of Gardner's team to know the truth. As to the man who made them famous, Conan Doyle published The Coming of the Fairies mm. in 1922. The book was not solely based on the events in Cottingley, but it was a collection of fairy stories and sightings from all over the world. On July 8th in 1930, he ended up passing away, and he still believed in fairies back oh, then. No. Oh, he died no still believing in them. In yeah. 1966, almost 50 years after the story was hatched, Gardner released Pictures of Fairies, the Cottingley Photographs, which would begin a series of accounts which we would take which would take almost another 20 years before the, the then grandparents admitted the hoax. The Cottingley fairies are primary evidence that it does not take fairies to sprinkle fairy dust. Humans are perfectly able to do that themselves. And that's the story of the Cottingley fairies. Fun. I thought so. Super, no, it's super fun. <laughs> These two little girls just fucking, fucking took the world over and were like, no, fairies are real, man. Yeah. And this all happened because I saw a TikTok. I, I don't know how I ended up on fairy TikTok, but these I people... I want to believe fairies are real. These people really, truly believe fairies are real. They leave food outside for them. No. Yeah. And then when the food gets eaten, they're like, see, the fairies came. And I'm like, yeah, it definitely wasn't a squirrel or a skunk or a raccoon. It was totally fairies. Totally the fairies. It was. You should leave a camera out totally there. Totally so Santa. Can... Yes. So then all of a sudden it popped in my brain and I was like, oh my God, the two girls with the fairies. Nice. I love that story. Anyway. Cute. I know. So that's it. All right. So it's time for our fuck, Mary kill. Yeah. Which we're going to do famous fraudsters. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually come up with three other um You want to do another one? Well, just for us. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, sure. So we did one with Courtney. Yeah. So you'll hear from Courtney um, as well for our one because we usually do two fuck Mary kills. Yes, usually we do. So um, we'll we we did. One and with I her. did choose the la the other three that you we did, did with Courtney. So you here did. are the ones you chose. Okay. okay. So these aren't really. These are just female people who have been convicted <laughs> of doing something. Oh my God. Okay. Illegal. Okay. 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 Martha Stewart. Okay. Okay. Felicity Huffman. Okay. And Lori Loughlin. Okay. Um, so basically the f two for the same thing. Yeah. But. I'm going to kill Felicity Hoffman. Okay. I'm going to marry Martha Stewart. Duh. And I will sleep with yep. Lori Loughlin. Okay. <laughs> totally. Glad we're on the same page. We're definitely on the same page on that. 
Well, there you go. That's it, guys. Um, now you can listen to our Fuck, Mary Kill with Courtney. Enjoy. Okay. So we've got Billy McFarland of Fire Festival fame. Oh, that whole thing. <laughs> oh, that was a freaking catastrophe. Was it right? Yeah. Then we've yeah. Got, I don't know if you know who Peter Popoff is. I don't. I'm getting my my google image search you do that. he's a yeah. famous televangelist he claims that he can heal people with touch kill immediately kill, kill. <laughs> <laughs> agreed and anna sorokin who was the girl who pretended to be an heiress in new york and um basically frauded a bunch of people out of money she'd be like oh just front me the money and we'll start this amazing business and then i'll pay you back and then never paid them back because she was not an heiress oh that's not cool no but you can look her up if you want to see what she looks like (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we have anna sorokin billy mcfarland mcfarland and the first one was peter popoff peter popoff I think I'm going to kill Billy McFarland. Ooh, mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. Um, the, the evangelist guy. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to nix that. So I'm going to kill him. Okay. I'm going to fuck Anna Sorkin. Yeah. Because I don't have to be stuck with her. Yes. Because, you know, I'm not a one night stand person, but <laughs> if I had to, yeah, she would be a one night stand. And then I just changed my number so she couldn't fraud me out of money. Yeah. Um, and then I would, mm, I guess, marry Peter Popoff. Marry Peter Popoff. Peter Popoff is the that's the that's the evangelist, evangelist guy. guy. Oh, that is. Yeah, yes. that's the evangelist so, guy. Okay, the... So I'm marrying Billy, and I am killing Peter, and okay. I'm fucking. And, okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh, do you want to do yours? What you would I do? I feel like I would do the same the on same. that one. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to marry the televangelist because he's a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to kill Billy and I will sleep with Anna. Sleep with Anna. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love how we're all just like, yeah. yep. We're going to. Like, yeah, we'll all just sleep with Anna. We'll all just sleep with Anna. <laughs> <laughs> She's in jail. Like, yes. People want to fuck me. Conjugal. <laughs> conjugal visits for my fans that's terrible for my fans oh god and that's another episode of paranormal Paranormal. so stay spooky guys because that's showbiz baby bye 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 if you like this episode of paranormal we need your help remember to rate review and subscribe to us on apple and if you listen to us on spotify go ahead and click the follow button Even better, you can donate to us on Patreon, where you can access bonus content and members-only merch. To support your favorite spooky duo, go to patreon.com slash paranormalpod. And for show updates and giveaways, be sure to follow us on Instagram at paranormalpod. And remember, stay stay spooky. spooky!